Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Harper, and this is another edition of The Ledge. This week, I'm interviewing Dave Pollitt. He's an NFT artist uh, that I've followed for a long time, and I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Dave, for joining me on the show today. No problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. So I just start everyone off the same. I'd like you if you would just tell us your name, your age, where you're from, where do you live, just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Dave Pollitt. Uh, I'm 43 years old. Um, I grew up in uh, Western upstate New York, and I, uh, I currently live in the Finger Lakes region. Um, and I guess uh, just a touch more, I started off as a, as a software engineer and sort of transitioned into to art full time. Oh, nice. So you, you, actually, uh, you actually work as an artist full time now? Yeah, yeah. Since 2018. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What? Uh, where do your parents live? Do your parents live in, in New York near you? Yeah, they're in the, uh, I think they're probably about half an hour away from me. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, I don't, my parents and I don't uh, speak all that often, but uh, um, but yeah, they're, they're, right they're close by. Right on. We were talking just a little bit before we started. You said you're married and you have a family? Yeah, well, I have um, a wife and two dogs. Um, neither of us okay. uh, ever really wanted kids, but uh, yeah, we have two dogs. I feel that it gives you a lot of freedom not having the kids. Dogs, <laughs> dog, and dogs are like kids, right? Dogs are, yeah, they're the best. We love them. <laughs> what? Uh, what? So, what was your education like in in New York when you were growing up? Did you go to like private school or public school? No, I went to a public school in a very small town um, called Palmyra, um, uh-huh. and um, so interestingly enough, like the the. Um, the artistic side of me, I was sort of always conditioned to believe that kind of um, um, idea that if you were going to become an artist, you would you would in- inevitably starve. So, um, so I also uh, I loved math and science and all 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 that kind of stuff. So I um, decided to get my um, my degree in computer science. So um, yeah, that uh, um, throughout high school, I just kind of you know, took as many, as many math and science and all of those kind of technical classes as I could. And then just went off to, to get my, uh, bachelor in, uh, computer science. Yeah. Nice. Did you, were you discouraged to, uh, from art? Was that something that it wasn't something that I was discouraged? No, my parents and, and, you know, um, teachers and, and other family members really encouraged it, but they, uh, I think that they kind of like, you know, pushed me in the direction of, of doing it more as kind of like a hobby. Um, and that's one of those things where I kind of feel like it, it just really depends upon what your risk tolerance is. Um, 
we never had a lot of money growing up. And so for me, I, I didn't want to have to put too much pressure on um, the creative side of my life. And so I went off and got a job that, um, that I knew I would enjoy, but that would also pay the bills and that would allow me to do um, the artistic stuff on the side and, and just have fun with it. Nice. Do you have any art education, Dave? No, not at all. Um, no, <laughs> honestly, I had an art teacher in high school um, and um, I, she would probably be terrified to, to hear me say this, but she actually sort of like pushed me in the direction of not going to school for art um, just because the way she made it sound, it was like heavily, you know, rubricized and, you know, it, it just seemed like antithetical to me to, um, to the way that, you know, art should be, I guess. Um, and so I, I just decided not to, not to have any, any formal education in it. What about like an informal education in art? Did you teach yourself? Like, how did you learn to become an artist? Did yeah, I think my parents kind of um, recognized pretty early on that I had kind of like a proclivity towards it. Um, I started drawing and, and painting when I was you know, very young, six or seven years old. Um, and my dad kind of, he dabbled in oil paints and things like that as well. And so I would use whatever leftover paint that I could find and I would paint on, on like used cardboard and things like that and just draw on whatever scrap paper I could find as well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just always, that was always, you know, in the, in the back of my, um, in, in the back of my mind and, and sort of, you know, something that I just always did. I ask everybody this question. Um, and some, and I, it's funny, the, the answers I get are all across the board, but do you remember the first thing that you ever created in your life that you would call art? I mean, I remember very, very early sort of doodles and, and, and drawings. And I do remember like the, you know, some of the first paintings that I've done. Um, I would say that, <laughs> so my dad actually for a while, he kind of, um, um, he taught karate as kind of a side thing. And okay. um, I remember there was a kid there that took karate and he would, he was a very good artist. I remember. And I remember that he would draw these little like ninjas, you know, fighting all over the place and whatever. And so I remember trying to emulate that. And that was one of the first things that I can actively remember drawing. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Do you still have it? <laughs> no, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't have really anything from, from my, my very early uh, childhood. Yeah. That stuff just got uh, lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it's too bad, man. All these artists I talk to, I talk to like, you know, I talk to artists every week and I, I always think like, you know, if one of you guys becomes like uber famous, man, like that old <laughs> stuff from your childhood could become like extremely valuable. I know. I really <laughs> wish there, I remember there was, um, when I was probably in, I don't know, fifth grade or something like that, I had a piece of artwork that got shipped off to some art show for, um, for young, for young, I guess, um, aspiring artists and it won something, but I never got it back. I don't know what they did with it. What, what got you? So you, uh, you mentioned that you, uh, you had a degree in software. What was your, um, what was your, intro to like digital art was that through through that or um um intro to digital art so yeah that actually kind of started um at probably what almost probably eight years ago um i started um and i'm guessing there on the on the um on the dates but uh um but while i was working i um i started becoming kind of like active in this uh, do you know what reddit is I do. Okay. So I was active in this subreddit called Photoshop Battles. 
Um, and so that was probably my first, um, introduction into this sort of digital art space. And I would, I had like one of those really, really early, um, iPads and I would just use my finger to kind of, you know, draw over the top of existing, um, right. um, um, photographs or whatever and submit those into the Photoshop battles. And so that was kind of like the, yeah, that was, that was, that was how I got started. I think a ton of artists got started through platforms like that. I've had people talk about like DeviantArt, uh, Reddit, um, you know, there was some, um, somebody mentioned another platform. I just, you know, there's a, there was so many like platforms from that era where artists could like work and share their stuff. Yeah. Well, it was, it was cool because Reddit is one of those things too, where, you know, you get that sort of like instant, um, dopamine hit when people start, you know, liking or uploading your your submission. Yeah. So. Right. (laughs) Do you, uh, do you, do you use social media now? I, I mean, I have it for the art. Yeah. Um, I don't use social media for anything personal just because I just, it's enough for me to try to keep up with it for, for, for artwork. I don't, I just, I can't, I can't do it for a personal thing. So, um, but, but yeah, um, I do. My wife actually handles, um, like Facebook and some of the other platforms and I handle, um, Twitter and Instagram. So you didn't start off as an artist. You started off in, in the software. How was your? What was your early career like? It was great. I um, it's something I loved. I um, I graduated college in two thousand five, but I started actually working professionally um, in two thousand three for um, like a small e commerce startup. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, from there, I worked there for probably five years, and that was all remote work. And then I, I got sick of working from home, and so I um, branched out and I worked for just a number of other um, places throughout the, the years until 2018. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. How do you go from um, from from a career in software into becoming a full time digital artist? Can you talk through like the process of how that happened? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was really the um, the sort of genesis of the um, the art. Um, becoming a, a, you know, more than just a hobby for me was. Um, so my wife, uh, when we started dating, kind of had this side hustle where she would go to thrift stores and she would buy, you know, plates and dishes and all sorts of little things like that. And she would then rent those things out to people who were having parties and wanted kind of a vintage feel uh, for their party. And so we spent a lot of time early on um, just casing secondhand stores. And uh, on one visit, and this was like in 2012, we we saw some paintings on the floor and we just kind of joked about how it would be funny to sort of repurpose those and then, you know, sneak them back in, um, you know, paint something funny into them and then sneak them back into the, the, uh, the, the secondhand store and, and see if they, you know, had sold or whatever. Um, didn't really think anything of it until a couple of weeks later when she actually came home with, um, one of those, one of those paintings and, you know, I tried it and I just instantly loved sort of repurposing them. And that kind of exploded pretty quickly into something that I, um, I did as, you know, more than just a hobby. My wife created, um, a business out of that selling the work, um, by 2013, I think she had like created a, a company out of it. And, um, um, Yeah. And so I did that for as long as I could while, um, also working full time as a, um, as a programmer. And it just got to the point, um, by 2018, there was, um, a local startup company that wanted me to do like a 25 foot indoor mural. And I just, there was just no way that I would have been able to do that and keep my job. And we kind of already talked about maybe transitioning into the art full time. And so, um, that was sort of like the catalyst. And then, 
and then yeah, after that, it's it's been it's been art full time, painting and and. Uh, so it sounds to me like it wasn't like your lifetime goal to become a full time artist. It just kind of happened by happenstance, almost. Yeah, it was it was definitely not a goal. <laughs> I, I actively like railed against the idea of quitting my job for a couple of reasons. Number one, like we had talked about, I just never wanted to um, rely financially on um, on the creative side of my life and. Um, right. I also really, I loved um, programming and that's kind of how I actually got, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably getting here, but um, that's how I got into NFTs was because I, you know, ever since I left my job, I, I had been really searching for something that could sort of marry the two sides of my life together. Were you into crypto at all before NFTs came along? No, honestly, it's so funny because, you know, most people that, you, well, it seems like most people you hear the story, it's like the... Um, the ethos of crypto was kind of like what drew them in. And then they kind of got into, you know, um, crypto and NFTs and all of that kind of stuff. For me, it was kind of the opposite where it was like, I really didn't know much about um, um, crypto as a currency or, you know, as a, as a sort of philosophical, whatever ideal. Um, But um, when I got into the, um, the crypto art space, then I kind of sort of adopted those, you know, the, the ideals and, and the, the whole sort of surrounding philosophy was really, really compelling. And I, um, I kind of kind of went whole hog and now I'm, now I'm yes, heavily invested in, in crypto and, uh, and all of that stuff. So for sure. <laughs> what, what, what was the catalyst for you? How did you just, how did you come to know what NFTs were and become, you know, aware that that was a thing and get led into that? Yeah, I mean, I started hearing kind of like rumblings um, uh, in in the art space. Some of the people that I followed um, were kind of getting into them. And I posted a piece of digital art that I had done, you know, many, many years prior and, you know, just asked the the sort of social media community what they thought about the NFT space. And um, a very well-known crypto artist, um, her name is Josie Bellini. she reached out to me um, and apparently she had been following my work for, for a while. And um, she was like, you know, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, getting you sort of onboarded into this space. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And so, um, yeah, that she kind of hooked me up with um, Nifty Gateway and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. That's pretty cool. What was the first thing that you minted? Uh, the first thing that I minted was actually not on Nifty Gateway. It was actually on OpenSea prior to, um, it was kind of like between, you know, sort of being introduced to her and then um, actually having a, a release on on Nifty Gateway. But it was basically this, um, it was a digital representation of a physical painting that I had done. Um, and it was a sort of a a giant Bitcoin in the middle of sort of a, a set of ruins and it was called higher standards. Um, and I, I had, um, yeah, 10 of those I, um, I created an addition of 10 and I kept most of them and I still have them. Um, but I, I, I got, or I, I, we auctioned off a couple of them and, um, I think I gave one away as a gift. So. How did you find the community's response to your drop when you, when you launched your first drop did you have good success uh yeah i mean um i was i was honestly i was just blown away by um <laughs> by the first one that i did on open sea which was really like i said it was just kind of me sort of familiarizing myself with the, uh-huh. the space and how that whole thing worked um but the the drop on nifty gateway the first you know sort of proper i guess uh, collection um i was yeah absolutely just you know mind blown by that by the response to it it was it was great 
I can't imagine. I, I, I often wonder, like, you know, how um, somebody gets picked up by Nifty Gateway. And there's so many, like, great artists that are, you know, that are that are being, you know, that are having drops on there every single day. And, you know, I, I didn't know about Gift Nifty Gateway until the Beeple Christie sale in, like, 2021. Like, I never even heard, you know, I, I, I never even heard of them, you know. But Nifty Gateway was the first place that I started buying NFTs. Well, I think that they really sort of lowered the barrier to entry for most people. I mean, by the time I'd had my drop on on Nifty, I had already, you know, um, just because again, I'm, you know, uh, an engineer by by trade, I guess. And so I kind of wanted to, to fool around with this stuff. And, you know, I had a MetaMask and, you know, all of that kind of stuff already set up. But, you know, for, for most people, you, you, it's very, very, um, it... I don't know. I don't want to say difficult, but it's a little bit scary to sort of you know create that that digital wallet and then you know move money from you know um, I don't know your bank account to Coinbase in order to to get you know some some digital currency to start kind of playing around with that stuff. And so I think that um, Nifty really brought something to the table by allowing people to to enter the space with a credit card. I I totally totally agree with that. I mean, I bought NFTs off of Nifty Gateway for probably six to eight months before I ever created a metamask wallet and bad ethereum in there and i and i was a crypto person you know i had i, I had been investing in bitcoin since 2018 oh so good for you <laughs> even with that experience even with that experience you know like the barrier to buying nfts through metamask like on open seas was a little bit scary to me yeah oh yeah yeah and then you know for me it kind of it got even crazier uh the the I guess the nervousness portion of it, because when I started creating my own smart contracts and deploying them onto, um, you know, onto the network, um, and you're, you only get one shot, you know, you can't, if you, if you write some, some bad code and you deploy that, I mean, it can cost you a lot of money to, to just deploy a contract. And then if it doesn't work, you're kind of just screwed. You can't go back and fix it, you know? So. Yeah, no, I had a, um, I had a mint pass for the Akutars, for the Aku, Micah Johnson's drop, the Akutars. Oh God, the and, one where uh, the, the money got locked yeah. up in the, oh man. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, millions of dollars got locked into the contract and they were never yeah. able to recover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I know that. Was that. Like a, that was a big wake up call. It, was, it got me, you know, it made me think like, man, anybody that's, you know, that's trying to deploy some type of project or contract in the space you know like there's just so many little nuances and things that can go wrong yeah i uh, i wouldn't have wanted to be the guy who was responsible for that line of code i'm sure i'm sure that was i <laughs> <laughs> mean either how do you uh how do you so how do you, how do how does how did you get onboarded to nifty gateway did somebody call you and say hey we're gonna put you in i don't know if you have you heard of uh cyber brokers i do, i am familiar with cyber brokers yes i am yeah. So she's the the sort of creative mind behind Cyber Brokers. Um, and so she was- Yeah, kind that's of, a super you know, cool project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think she had been actually trying to get a physical piece of mine. Um, and so she had okay. been following along on, on Instagram or whatever. And like I said, she messaged gotcha. me at some point. And uh, yeah, she she made the introduction to, uh, to Tommy back then. I, I don't think he's still with the company, but- um, um, And then, yeah, it was kind of like they, they had, you know, a list of available dates- they wanted to do something pretty soon or too soon rather for me to, um, to get something together that I would have been, you know, proud of. And so I think I had to, um, to push back a little bit, but I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was a few months when later. You work with somebody, 
when you work with somebody like Nifty Gateway, do they help like through the technical aspects of stuff or do they look to the artist to, to know that or how does that work? Um, so Nifty definitely, they, um, they take care of most of the technical stuff, depending on how sort of technical you as the artist or the creator are. So for my first drop, they handled everything. Um, I think my, uh, was it my second or third? I can't remember which drop it was where I started sort of introducing um, the variability in the artwork that was, you know, sort of based on the um, crypto um, prices. Um, by that time, like they had kind of like a base contract, but I created and deployed my own contract that um, their contract sort of interacted with in order to sort of pull the um, the, the metadata for the NFT. Um, so, yeah, so. Yeah, they, 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 they can do both. They can sort of like, you know, allow you to kind of do your own thing or they can, they can step in and, and do, do all of it. Your digital art, is it created, is that all like, so all of your digital art, is that something that you, it's all creative, like natively digital, and then you just like upload it as an NFT? Or do you have like physical art that you scan in and then create that into an NFT or a mix? I'm just, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's a mix. It's, um, it's, you know, a mix, it's both, it's, um, you know, so that there are pieces where it's been, you know, based on a physical painting that I get a, a very, very high res capture of, and, you know, sometimes clean it up a little bit here and there. Um, in other cases, so there was one that I did, well, there's a, there's a, a number that I've done that have been completely digital. Um, and that's all done using, um, an iPad pro with procreate, um, um, and then, like you said, there's, there's also sort of a mix where, um, it's, you know, creating a physical painting and then, you know, getting a digital scan of that and then really enhancing that in some way. Um, so yeah, it's both. Do you have any like specialized equipment that you work with or like tools that, that you use besides an iPad? So I sort of started to get into, um, you know, 3d modeling a little bit. Um, and so I was using a couple um, a couple of those programs, but they were still on the iPad just cause I didn't, I didn't, you know, some of the, the, the big ones, I can't even think of the names of the, uh, of the modeling tools that are out there, but, um, those were a little bit sort of above my pay grade in terms of right. uh, functionality <laughs> and things like that. And so, um, and I really love the feel of, you know, holding a physical pencil, be it, you know, um, the, the sort of Apple pencil or a regular pencil or whatever. But, um, I, I sort of kind of need that, uh, <laughs> I need that, I don't know. Uh, whatever you would call it, just the physical sort of pencil in my hand. I got you. There's a 3D program. It's called Blender. That's free. Ah, uh, that's yep, yep. Blender. That's yes. I, uh, I, you know, and I'm not. I'm no artist at all. I have no, no artistic ability at all. But I, I was interested to see how that worked, and I downloaded it and tried playing around with it. It's so complicated, man. It's well, like, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, you could spend a year learning that before you actually even produce anything, and it's yeah. I, <laughs> but I mean, they are super handy for really cool tools. Um, um, but it actually wound up bleeding over into my my physical artwork because I could use these 3D modeling. Um, softwares for the iPad and I could sort of, you know, really create these, these, um, these objects and rotate them around and things like that. And so I would use those to plan physical paintings, um, which was, was very helpful as well. What, what do you, how do you describe yourself as an artist? Are you like, do you call yourself an illustrator or? I would just say, oh man, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I started off as an oil painter, I guess. Um, but okay. you know, having, having, um, moved into the, um, 
the crypto art space, I think, you know, it's kind of like a, a mix of just really everything. And it's just, I think a lot of artists are really, you know, tempted by learning new things. And so um, mm-hmm, that's kind of, sure. you know, yeah, I guess, I guess now we just go with the term artist, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's great. I mean, crypto artist is a, is a, is a term that I like to use for people like yourself. <laughs> and yeah, there's like absolutely. This whole, yeah. And you know, you know it's funny there's this whole emerging like crypto art scene, you know, the, you know, we have all these like NFT New York's and, you know, now a lot of people are talking about art Basel in Miami and, you know, a lot of different things where crypto artists are gathering and having, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, it's 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 going to be something that that just no one will be able to ignore um, at, at at some point. It, it's 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 really you know it's pervasive in, in, at this point. So <laughs> I mean, it's not going anywhere. I don't think. What do you think you're most well known for in the crypto art scene? As far as your as far as your NFTs, is it the the ships? You know, I think it's probably a mix of those and kind of the. Um, I think I was one of certainly not the first, but I. Well, I might have been the first person to write my own, you know, smart contract that that sort of um, took sort of uh, external third-party data and used that data to vary the artwork. So the the crypto traders were an example of that, where they would look at the price of either Bitcoin or Ether, and depending upon what that price was, the artwork would change. Um, and I know, like Daniel Arsham did something. Um, before I had done anything with like the sort of dynamic artwork where he, he did something based on, on time. Right. So the, the seasons would, would vary the artwork. I'm not sure if he wrote his own contracts or not. I, I doesn't, I don't know if that really matters at all, but, um, but I thought that that was, at least that's what my goal was, was to be known for sort of bridging that gap between, um, the sort of traditional artist and the, um, software engineer, the person that has that sort of technical, I guess, acumen in order to, um, to handle really all of the facets of, of, creating an NFT from sort of soup to nuts, I guess. Yeah. That's very interesting. Those ships, um, those ships are very much, you know, like, I mean, you know, whenever, whenever you see one of those, you know, that's a Dave Pollitt. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was the inspiration for that? And for people that are just listening, you know, it's like, it's like a pirate ship with a bunch of sails and then they're like, all the sails are covered in different graffiti. Well, I think it was kind of like a, just a natural progression of, you know, what I had become known for really as an artist was um, sort of these repurposed pieces of, of thrift art, you know, um, but also trying to make it look like you you couldn't really tell. And, and to this day, you know, I get the question of, did you paint the whole thing or did you, you know, did, is this a repurposed piece or whatever? Um, and that's because I'm trying to make it look as though whatever I added belonged there to begin with. Um, and with the, the ships that came about, I think it actually may have been was either a trip to Art Basel, Miami, or um, there was some gallery where I'd actually seen um, a little model of a train and the train had some graffiti on it. And I was like, oh, in these thrift stores, you often find these like models of ships and they have these little, you know, canvas sails. And I've got a couple of them downstairs. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do something similar where instead of tagging the, the train, you tag the, the, the sails of the ship. And yeah, so the, the first, I don't remember when the first one I did was, but it was uh, maybe 2017 or 18, maybe, I don't know. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that was a thing that I, I would do one or two of those a year after, after 2000, whatever it was that I did the first one. And then, um, 
And then so for Nifty Gateway's first release, that was, I just thought that that would really be cool to do that. And then um, in a later release, I did it where those were also the the graffiti on the um, on the the ships would change dependent upon you know price data as well. Sure. And one of the things that I often wondered about you when I was looking at your your stuff back in the early days of Nifty Gateway was, were you a graffiti artist ever? And did you have no. any ties to the graffiti <laughs> art world? <laughs> no, I, I wish I, well, I mean, I, I'm, you know, aside from being, you know, uh, caught for, for doing it, I would, I would say I'd love to, I, I always had so much respect for those guys. And I was always so fascinated by their creativity and their, um, just their ability to, to handle a spray paint can. Um, I know I, I, I don't come from that background. Um, I just have a, you know, a love for it. Um, and, um, you know, when it first started off, the the very first graffitied ship piece that I did, it was kind of just like a way for me to get away from doing something that was really, really rigorous and to do something that was a little bit more stream of conscious. But the more that I've gotten into those, the more I actually spend time sort of designing the letters. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near sort of like the, the, um, the letter artists that, uh, these guys on the streets are, but, um, but uh, so I, I did. I, yeah, you're I just not secretly it. Banksy. No, I'm definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I had his money, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't we all? Uh, and then you had some other things that are um, like, um, I'm looking at one right now. It's called the Goddess of Rarity. It's like a, it looks like an ape. Which is- yeah. So that, that was kind of, um, me just playing around with the idea of, of us humans and our, um, fascination with, with rarity and collecting. Um, and, you know, cause I mean, I, at that time I felt like there was, there was like a new PFP project coming out every 30 seconds and, um, and, you know, some were great and some were maybe not so great. Um, but some of the ones that were really, really cool were, um, really kind of focusing on, you know, minting, um, some, some aspect of rarity. Um, and you know, then everybody was trying to collect the most rare or whatever. And so that idea was just kind of fun for me. And so the piece that you're looking at is, um, it's meant to be this sort of amalgam of, um, a bunch of different rare pieces of PFP, um, like projects out there. Yep. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on the state of the digital art market right now with all of the PFPs and everything? How do you, do you have any views or opinions on the way things are and how how things are going? Um, it's a, you know, it's a tough call. I I think, yeah, I think the NFT, I'm asking you, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the NFT, um, the, the technology, I think, is definitely here to stay. For one, I mean, it's built on an underlying technology that is going to, you know, absolutely sort of revolutionize the way that we think about ownership, right? Um, the NFT market itself, I think, um, maybe just exploded a little too quickly. You know what I mean? I don't think it's healthy for any any market to to have that sort of precipitous rise that it, that it had, because, you know, the, the, the faster it rises, the, the more, um, I guess, chance that there is for it to drop, you know, equally fast. And I think a slow sort of steady burn is kind of a a better way to do it. Um, and you know, I, I think that that for me, that's one of the things that I've kind of always 
tried to focus on is is just limiting what it is that I put out there. And I, you know, I, I do the same with with physical pieces where you don't want to just absolutely flood the market. So um, I think I think that there's a lot of room for us to come back. I just think that we're kind of in a um, in a shaking out period right now. And I do think you know you've probably talked to a number of people who have said that. Um, bear markets will help, you know, determine who's really here to stay and all of that. And I, I, I agree with that completely. How are you faring through the bear market? I could tell by looking at your floor prices haven't gone down. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I try not to look too much at the floor prices because I think you can, I, for a while I was, and I was driving myself crazy with that. Um, so your floor prices on nifty gateway is imp- it's impressive. Oh, I, I, I actually haven't here. haven't looked in a while, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I'm using this time. I'm actually in the middle of of trying to create my my next drop, and um, I've I've every drop I've kind of wanted to push the envelope a little bit further and a little bit further and do something a little bit more interesting, and mm-hmm. so the next drop is 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 more complex and more unique, um, I guess, to what I've done than anything I've done in the past, and. Um, with that comes some technical hurdles that I have, um, had to, to overcome. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm shooting for, um, early this coming year for, for the next sort of release, but I think I may release an interim piece that kind of will give a little bit of a clue as to what I've been working on. Um, but not the whole thing. So do you see yourself doing most, um, and then may, maybe you can answer this or not. I don't know. Is you, most of your stuff coming out on Nifty Gateway? Is that where you where you plan to launch all your stuff, or do you have other? Ideas? I mean, there are always other places that um, that I. So, so Nifty actually has something that is very very helpful, um, and that is that they can set up um, a situation where they can refresh metadata um, on some interval, and that that is super compelling because. If I have a dynamic piece um, that is on um, OpenSea or any of the other platforms um, that that are the you know sort of current exchanges of the day, you have to go in there and manually update the um, refresh the so on any NFT in OpenSea like there's a little you know refresh button that says refresh metadata um, yes. and you can do that you know um, but the problem is it doesn't happen automatically and as far as I can tell there is no way through their API for me to do that programmatically um, gotcha. at least they haven't they haven't exposed that yet so um, so that's a that is a compelling you know reason um, to go with nifty gateway as well as you know having the the um, that's where I've always released um, a, a few things here and there on OpenSea as well. But um, um, they've, Nifty's been, you know, great to me, and so um, I, I do imagine nice. that I will continue. Yeah, yeah. It seems like whatever you're doing is working for you. <laughs> Hopefully, if it's working. Why, <laughs> if it's not broke, why fix right. it? Right. Right. Who inspires you, Dave? Do you have any artists that you follow, emulate? Oh my God. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, I'm in both spaces, like the, in the physical world, um, you know, there's this artist, his name is Michael reader and he's actually got, um, a PFP project out there called, um, cyber band, cyber bandits. Yes. Um, great artist, love his stuff. Um, other physical painters like Brent Esterbrook and, um, James Jean and, you know, a bunch of those types of people, um, in the, in the, well, and, and sort of like bridging also the gap between sort of physical and, um, and digital, you know, Josie Bellini is just, you know, one of my favorites as well. Um, and, 
God, there's so many uh, in, in the digital art space. Um, do you do you have? Are you into the cyber brokers? Are you? I mean, I don't you? have any. No, I think um, when they came out, I sort of missed the the um, the drop, and then the, the prices, you know, um, quickly escalated beyond what what I could. Yeah, afford. they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I mean, and to get anything of hers, you know, that isn't even that. It's like you, you just you'd have to. I would have to empty my bank my bank account, and I um, just can't do that. <laughs> I get it, man. But uh, do you collect? Do you collect NFTs art? Do you? Collect? I have a couple, um, but I honestly, I you know, this is one of those things. It's again just like sort of we had talked earlier about answering um, messages on social media. There are a list of so many things that I've been meaning to do that I just haven't gotten around to doing. And so, um, you know, I've collected, um, you know, pieces from like Wisby um, and uh, a couple of others, I think. Um, but um, but no, it's something in the back of my mind where I was like, oh, man, I, you know, I'd love to get this or I'd love to get that. And then I just absolutely forget to do it because I just get so sidetracked. And I think I have the attention span of like a squirrel on cocaine. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. That's how I feel <laughs> most of the time. I wish there was 28 hours every day. I know, right? I need yeah. more time to get everything done. You mentioned Wispy. Is there any other um, digital artists that you, you like like that? I, I can't remember if I actually I, – I, I know I meant to buy into Merge, but I don't remember if I actually did or not. Um, but, you know, it, there's so many that I would love to collect. Um, I love, you know – you know, going back to just the list of, 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 of artists like Mad Dog Jones, I really loved his stuff. Um, oh, you know, man, me too. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. And um, he's got – it is and it, the, the prices of his stuff, are, it's almost unattainable to – Well, and that's um, the thing, you know, I almost – yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want anything, you know, bad to happen to their their floor prices, but you know, selfishly, it'd be nice if if they fell a little bit, so I could get something. <laughs> <right here>. um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, I, this this space has just sort of exploded my sort of appreciation for um, for that for the digital art scene, I guess, as well. You just mentioned something that made me think of a question that I'd like to ask you, and that is, how do you? What's your thought on like artists like yourself or Mad Dog Jones or anybody like that that's got your floor prices are are out of reach for a lot of people because they're expensive. Your artworks are expensive. How do you feel about artists doing like open editions to 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 reach to you know to make things affordable for just like average people? You feel like that's yeah. I mean, good? I, I think it really. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it, you know, and this is going to be sort of a, like the most diplomatic kind of answer that I can give, but I think it really depends on what you're trying to do, right? So, I mean, I think if you're trying to make your artwork just accessible to everybody, then I think, yeah, open editions can be a, a very nice way to do that. When I first started um, creating artwork, I would I would do prints and, you know, I would do pretty large editions so that, you know, anybody can get a, a relatively inexpensive print of mine. But, you know, if you want to a physical painting like that, that's gotten a little bit more expensive. And so I think it's kind of similar to the, the NFT space where if your goal is to just, um, to reach the widest audience, you know, maybe the PFP route is the way to go or open editions or whatever. But if you're really trying to sort of, um, you know, keep your work, you know, limited because you're, you're looking to raise the, the, the value of those pieces, then I think then maybe limiting, um, what you put out there is probably the right approach. Um, 
you know, for me personally, I, I think I've always sort of taken the approach that I kind of wanted to keep the supply of, of my stuff out there limited. And so, I mean, I even went so far as to say, and I, almost a year ago where I said, um, I'm not going to mint any uh, edition larger than 15 over the next you know, two years or something like that. And so I was uh, going to ask you about that. You did say, I remember you posted that on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, a hundred percent, you know, sticking to that. So I think, um, do you do that with your collectors in mind? Is that your client? Do you have your collectors in mind? Like, are you thinking about like their, the value of the things that they hold when you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about sort of longevity. I think, you know, I want to be in this space. It's a space that I want to play in for a very long time. And I, you know, I would do it. I would, I would be, I would be messing around with code and art regardless, but you know, it's kind of nicer when there's, um, someone on the, on the collecting end of it. Um, and I think, you know, if I think that you can still right now, I think on nifty gateway, and I don't know what the floor is, like you said, but, um, but I, I would imagine that it's not, it's not super unattainable, um, for some of my stuff for the higher editions, but so there's always a way for collectors to kind of get in there still, but, um, but if you want some of the more, I guess, rarer editions, then those are, you know, a little bit harder to get. And um, I think that's kind of like intentionally so. Well, I can say this because this podcast isn't coming out for a couple of weeks, but I see something right now that's like really low price compared to everything else, man. It makes me feel like I need to grab it. <laughs> well, which one is it? It's big. The bear mark. It's a navigate and explore variant on edition of ten, and it's listed at six ninety nine. Oh wow! Last sold for three thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> that's think that's just, that's stuff like that is just you know. So there's like you know that's the crazy part of this NFT world is like you'll have an artist such as yourself who's got you know your floor prices on your editions of 10 here are like 50,000, 17,000, 8,000. And then you go and sit next to it and it's $700, you know? And then you look at the next one beyond that and it's $10,000. You know, <laughs> so it's, there's it's two listings for sale. One's for $10,000 and one's for $700, you know? It's like crazy. I think that, the, you know, bear markets like this definitely offer people an opportunity to... I mean, people, people don't get rich in bull markets. People get rich in, in bear markets, right? I mean, that's right. <laughs> the people that, you know, bought in when Bitcoin was very low price are the ones that are, are, are doing well. Um, and so I think that there are opportun opportunities to be had, you know, for maybe not just my stuff, but other people's as well. So, um, oh, there's, uh, there's opportunities all over the place. And I think if you're like, if you're paying attention and you're plugged into this space and you're really like, look at things like that, there's, there's opportunities to buy very, you know, unique pieces of art that, that, that are probably going to appreciate in value over time. Well, and that's, you know, that's an, another interesting thing too, is that the, the sort of conversation that are, what's the, the, the reason that somebody's collecting? Are they collecting because they're looking to make money? Are they collecting because they love the artwork? Are they collecting because they're just like sort of, you know, uh, there's a desire to sort of take part in this, this, this moment in history. And I think for me, I, you know, I would be collecting because I'm, I'm interested in the artwork, I think. I mean, obviously it's nice to make money, but, um, sure. but I don't, you know, even with my, my crypto, um, the, the, what I hold in, you know, Bitcoin and ETH and all of the other altcoins, I'm at this point, I don't know if I'm ever going to make the, the, the money back, but it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to be a part of it, you know? 
I uh, I kind of have a mixed I have a mixed view on it. I feel like you know I'm in it for the art. I love art, and I'm 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 a you know huge fan of of the art that we're all seeing emerge right now. But also part of me is is buying this because I feel like there's a historical significance to all of this coming out of this era. You know, we're in this digital renaissance right now, and like all of these things are part of history, or they will be. Right. I, that was exactly what I was thinking. Um, and again, like, I don't know if I actually went and did it or not, but um, when Pac came out with Merge, I remember um, however many he minted, it was something like, I don't know, 21,000 or so, whatever, however many tokens it was that right. he minted. Um, I remember thinking, you know, there are 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, right? And what's the price right now of that? And how rare are those? Um now you know scale that back by by a factor of however many and now you're talking about what Pac did um and um to own one of those tokens whether you did anything with it whether you made money or not just to be one of those people that owned one of those tokens i was just that was to me that was super compelling yeah it's a, and it's a very compelling reason to buy this stuff <laughs> absolutely Hey, Dave. So uh, what I wanted to ask you next was what is your relationship like with your collectors um, and people that are buying NFTs in the digital space? How do you um, how do you connect with those folks? Yeah. Uh, so the the actual, I guess, mechanism um, that we use is, is very often Discord or uh, Twitter, um, you know, or just email. Um, but um, I've also been lucky enough to, to meet some of my collectors at events like NFT NYC. Um, you know, I've made really good friends in the in the sort of physical, um, you know, since I've started painting, I've 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 become friends with a number of like the sort of collectors in the phys physical space, um, in the digital nice. space, it's kind of, um, it's, it's been interesting to see sort of the bleed over where, um, some of my physical collectors have come over to the NFT space. And then some of the new, um, NFT collectors have actually, um, come over to sort of the, the, the physical side and collected physical pieces. So, um, you know, getting to, to chat with these people has been, has been amazing. Do you have your own discord? I do. Yeah. Yep. You do. How do people find that? It's just, uh, the name of the server is just Dave Pollard art, I believe. Um, I gotcha. but, um, yeah, I think there, there may be a link on, um, on some of my social media, probably on Twitter. There's probably a link to it. All right. Right on. I notice a lot of times when, um, you know, I've been a collector on, on nifty gateways for a while now. And I notice a lot of times, um, it'll be the same, people over and over again who are buying art you know if you look at the list of people who just bought art today and then look at the next drop and it's always it's a lot of the same people do you do you like try to find those people and reach out to those people um not really um you know, I, I'm always willing to talk to whoever wants to talk to me about art, you know, especially if it's the, the sort of like the the marriage of art and um, um, and technology but no I um, I, I I don't think that there's been many cases where I've reached out to a big collector just to talk specifically about my work. There have been collectors of mine who we have actually had conversations with about sort of drop mechanics and what they're just to get their sort of input and feedback. Um, and I think that's been super helpful. Um, sure. But, um, but you know, you're never going to make everybody a hundred percent happy. Um, so you kind of have to sort of pick a path and just kind of go with it. 
Of course. Well, to, to, to be fair, I found you very accessible. I wrote to you on Twitter and you wrote me right back. And I can't say that about everybody that I've, um, you know, that I've collected stuff from. I've, I've written to a lot of artists who've left me on read. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for writing me back. So no far. problem. Yeah, I do my, I do, like I said, uh, you and I were chatting before this started and I do my best to do that. Sometimes I'm again, um, uh, not the best at, uh, um, replying. And that's just because it's not, you know, for, um, for lack of trying, it's just, uh, sometimes I'm in the middle of something, I see the notification and then I mean to get back and, and actually chat with the person, but then forget. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, but I want to dig into this just a little bit more. How do you view you, your floor prices in your own collections? How do you set prices for your artwork? Do you feel that most NFTs are undervalued, overvalued. Um, how do you how do you see all of that? Like, how do you see the money aspect of 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 this digital art revolution that we're in? Yeah, pricing has always been um, one of the most dif- difficult aspects of what I do. Um, I'm very very lucky to have um, my wife who who manages like the business side of things because um, the the way that I typically think about pricing for my myself is that you know the the latest thing that i finish should be the most expensive because i'm i'm most sort of emotionally attached to it and everything else is garbage at that point um, which is just not a good way to look at things and so um she comes in and we both kind of sit down and try to come up with a little bit more of a a formulaic approach to um what the pricing is um you know, certainly I think you have to be aware of what the market is, but you also have to be, you know, cognizant of the fact that if you priced something at X and then in your next drop, you price your next thing at X minus a hundred percent, you're going to, you know, alienate that, that, that collector who bought at X. And so it's kind of this just delicate balance of, of, of making sure that you're not, you know, wildly out of tune with what the market is, but also you're not, um, doing a disservice to the people who have already collected your work. And, the, you know, in terms of the floor price, I, like I said before, I think, um, um, when I first got into this space, I was looking at that and checking the floor price all the time. And you can drive yourself absolutely bonkers doing that. And so now I, I, I try not to do that just because I, I think that's just an unhealthy approach to, um, to art. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, you know, anytime you're, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you're financially invested in what your floor prices are. So, I mean, it would, I can imagine it'd be hard not to check it every day. I'd probably be like have alert set up on my phone. If it changed, it would <laughs> notify me immediately. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, and that's what, that's where I was at when I, when I first kind of got into it, but then, and then you start making decisions based on that. And that's, also maybe not the best thing to do, right? Because if you start panicking about your floor pricing uh, and then, I don't know, you can just make a bunch of bad decisions doing that, I think. For sure. NFTs give us the ability to marry uh, art and utility with art. How do you feel about that debate? Should art come with some type of utility? I mean, I think it should if you've promised it, (laughs) for sure. Um, But yeah, this is also a very, very interesting debate. Um, the problem here is that I, I think a lot of people that got into the NFT space as collectors um, were looking at this more like um, an exchange and a you know a set of commodities versus art, right? 
which can be the case. Um, sure. And certainly, you know, if you are building a community through a project where there's um, whatever the utility is, whether it comes with merch or whether it comes, you know, with a, a, a sort of like a game that's attached to it or whatever, um, I think that that's all of those things are sort of valuable things. Um, what I what I don't think should happen is that collectors should should kind of come in. Um, and buy a piece of art that was the sole intent of the art was to be art uh, and to be collected and then expect, you know, um, some sort of whatever utility um, till the end of time kind of a thing. Right. So, and on the flip side, I, I think, you know, artists who come in should, should always take care of their collectors. Um, they should certainly never promise something that they're not going to deliver on. Um, and I, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of where I stand on that is just, you know, whatever was promised should be delivered. Um, and um, I, I think both both situations are totally fine, utility or lack thereof, as long as it's kind of, you know, um, it's all out there. Yeah, as long as whatever you're doing, you're doing it with integrity. Right, exactly. Yep, yep. What do you think um, about the debate on royalties? Have you have you been have you listened to any of that and heard all that all of the chatter on Twitter about different platforms that are now emerging that allow NFTs that had royalties built into them to be sold without the creator getting royalties? Um, yeah, so that's another one of those things where I feel like if in the onset it was supposed to be that the artist was, you know, going to get some amount of royalty, then I think that artist is, is owed that. Um, me personally, like, yes, I, I, it's great that, um, um, I get a royalty if, if something sells on the secondary market, but it's also something where I definitely think for me, if, if I sold something, um, and then on the secondary market, it's sold for less than it was minted for, I'd be totally fine not taking, um, you know, a royalty on that. Um, I know, I don't think I, the secondary market was always like primary concern for me, but not from a royalty standpoint, more from like a, you know, doing a, a service to the sort of collectors. That's, that was the sort of primary, I guess, goal for me. Um, but yeah, I, um, I guess I don't have like a strong opinion about, um, the need for artists to get, you know, paid forever for their, for their work. I think it's, it's, if that's kind of why, why you are, it's part of the reason you're doing this, then yeah, certainly, um, you know, that's awesome. But, uh, but for me personally, like I, I, I don't find it necessary. Does that make sense? I don't know if I really explain it does. It, yeah, no, no, it totally does. I mean, I, I, and I, I like that answer a lot. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way, Dave. I feel like, you know, if I buy a piece of art from 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 you, in that contract, there is a royalty that goes to you if I sell it. I think I should, you know, I think if I have integrity, I should sell it on a platform that allows you to receive that royalty. You know, right. you know, and I, I mean, obviously, we can't make everybody act with integrity and do things the right way or do things the way they were intended to do. People are going to do what they want to do, but you just can only all you, all we can do is the best we can do. You know. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I I have the benefit of coming from kind of a different space where, like, I was never, um, I guess, on the fringe because traditional artists, 
we always made our money from printer, you know, physical art or whatever. Um, whereas digital artists very often could just never be paid for their work. So I totally understand where they're coming from with the royalty saying, you know, you know, this is finally my chance to actually be, you know, paid what I'm worth for my artwork. And I, um, I do not begrudge them that at all. Um, for me, it's just, it's the, the, the royalties were honestly, they were just never that important. Um, but, uh, yeah. You're like, you're not going to get royalties on your original oil paintings that you're selling. Right. right. Yeah. No, no, I'm certainly that not. In the future, there's no way to ensure that you would get that. How, are, are you still selling traditional art like that now? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on um, a release that's coming up on October 25th uh, with some new paintings as well. Yeah. And that's been part of the oh, part awesome. of the problem is just, that, you know, trying to balance um, all of those worlds, you know, keeping up with sort of the, the physical world as well as the, um, the NFT space as well. Um, and just trying to find the time for that and, you know, life as well. But uh, no, How I, do I you balance it. How, what do you do? How do you balance all of that? It sounds uh, like <laughs> <laughs> I go through, you know, periods where I work a ton and then I I burn out for a little bit and then I go play pickleball forever and then I come back and I you know do do the whole thing again um but no I mean I I kind of just get into these um these grooves I guess where if I'm painting for a little bit I kind of get into a painting groove um and then I'll sit down at the computer and I'll write some code and I'll get back into the you know the the digital space for a bit um and work and just kind of like you know ping pong back and forth so that I um, don't get bored with either, I guess. Um, uh-huh. but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just a balance. Yeah. I just caught your reference to pickleball. You play pickleball? Uh, yeah. Like obsessively, um, much to, <laughs> much to the chagrin of I, I saw one of your, I saw something, one of your artworks somewhere had a reference to pickleball in it. <laughs> I saw it on, on something I was looking at before. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I started playing like three, well, I, I really started playing, um, consistently a couple of years ago, but I've been playing for probably about three years and, um, you know, I, I play in tournaments and, and things like that. And so, um, nice. yeah. What Hoping else be- do you guys do for fun? What do you do to relax? <laughs> Pickleball. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, um, I, I do a lot of things. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm one of those people that I really enjoy taking something that I'm not good at and then trying to get really good at it. Um, and it's, it's almost like an obsessive compulsive thing, I think. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I play a lot of chess. Um, I, I play a lot of pickleball. Um, nice. I read when I can. Uh, my wife and I are, are definitely, you know, we like to, to be outdoors and, um, you know, so that it, it, it could be, you know, just walking a trail or, you know, hiking or whatever. Um, um, yeah, there's not enough hours of the day, I suppose. What got you into chess? Um, so I, I always played just kind of like, you know, recreationally, but when I, I worked at this startup company that was like an ad tech company and over lunch, um, I started playing times chess with this guy, his name is Zach. And, um, he was a pretty good player. He had learned from some, um, some Russians, I guess, <laughs> and right. just kicked my ass all the time. And so, awesome. um, you know, as soon as I sort of have that challenge of like, oh, you know, this person can beat me well, I want to see how long it takes before I can beat that person. And so that kind of just became, um, a thing that I, that I, I wanted to get better at. And so, um, right on. yeah, yeah. 
a lot of people watched that um, that Netflix show that came out a couple years ago, The Queen's Gambit, and then oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. all like run on chess, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I think the the app that I use after that show came out, like the the number of users, like I don't know, quadrupled or whatever overnight. So. <laughs> I haven't seen any like NFT project that's like a, a really great spinoff on on chess yet. So that maybe an opportunity. Maybe there. the other it's an opportunity. <laughs> Somebody right? to yeah. run with that one. I'm going to ask you: Is there anything that I haven't asked you today that you'd like to talk about? Um, your art, your um, yourself, your vision of the future. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just I guess on a on a not art or not NFT. Um, but kind of related, I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about sort of opposing viewpoints on this or that. And I think, you know, I, I would just love to see us as a, as a people, you know, get to a place where two people can come or more people can come together and have a conversation about something that is like a hot button issue and have that conversation in a way that doesn't just wind up in anger. Um, uh, that, and that this has nothing to do with anything that we've really talked to, no, I guess. No, no, but this, uh, is, this is good stuff. I'm interested. But, <laughs> in we could talk about this a little bit. I love that. Yeah, just because it's one of these things where I feel like you know, um, even, you know, even playing pickleball, I uh, you show up to the courts and it's supposed to be like this most really friendly game and everybody's really social, but then you get these two people who want to talk about um, you know, the, the political issue of the day and neither of them can do it in a way that is constructive. It's just, it, it just, you know, turns into a shouting match. And now we've gotten to a place where nobody wants to talk about anything of substance because we're afraid that it's going to, um, turn into, um, turn into an argument. I think that actually, you know what, this is related because I think the NFT space is one of the, the, the kindest and most welcoming spaces that I've ever been a part of. And I think that that is, um, something that the, the rest of the world should maybe try to emulate is just kind of like, you know, this sort of inclusive and willingness to sort of, you know, have a dialogue about something that is not just rooted in anger. Dave, that's so, that's such a great point, man. I'm 50 years old. And I've done a lot of things in my life, man. I mean, I've been a lot of places and done a lot of things and I've never experienced a community like the, like the quote unquote NFT community, man. It's just like the, the people are also friendly, accepting, helpful, you know, I mean, that whole space is just full of like genuine, good people, you know, and, and so far it seems like the the polarizing arguments of politics and religions and all those things have kind of stayed out of it, <laughs> which is really, uh, yeah. which is really, well, cool. what would be even better is if, if those polarizing conversations could be had and they, and, and you just see like a nice reasonable conversation about it instead of people just getting angry. Once we get to that <laughs> point, man, that's when, that's when I'm, you know, I'm just going to be super happy. So, um, I, do, I mean, not I that do, I'm already, I, do, I agree with you, man. I think the world is a little bit broken in that regard. You know, everybody, not every, you know, not everybody, because I think most people are probably very like middle ground, <laughs> you know, but there's such extremes on either sides of the aisle of politics and all of these things that, you know, get people so worked up. It, it really is, um, you know, it really is a hard conversation and it's, and it's a tough, you know, that's a huge challenge, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a signal to noise problem. I think that, you know, like you said, I think, um, 
most people are 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 moderate and most people are reasonable the problem is like you know what we what we see most often is is what rises to the top and that's usually just the loudest angriest voice i think so but uh and and the and the and the the loudest and the angriest voices are all so convicted and they're right yeah the two worst things that could possibly go together are ignorance and conviction and <laughs> <laughs> well i just told you i was 50 years old and one of the things i've learned the most in my life is the the longer i'm alive the less i know <laughs> right I, it's great and that's that's yeah that's such a um a, a great way to see the world because yeah it's it's when you well, I, I walked around in the world thinking I was right for a long time. And then and as I got older, I started to realize like, you know what? I'm actually wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more than I want to admit sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're all in that club. Well, I think we are. And, uh, you know, and what a nice thing that we have this, um, this emergence of this art world that just kind of can neutralize all those kind of angry conversations and put everybody into a, a place where we have something that we can all agree on and talk about and, and celebrate. Hell yeah, absolutely. Dave, man, thank you so much for, for your time. The conversation was awesome, man. And I'm, I'm really glad to get to know more about you and hope, uh, get a chance to connect more with you in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much. like to thank everyone for joining me today on another episode of the ledge and it was great chatting with dave pollitt if you want to follow dave you can catch him on twitter at dave pollitt art or at his website davepollitt.com my name is chris harper you can catch me at harper underscore underscore chris on twitter or chris on instagram look forward to connecting with you all every tuesday here on the ledge